0: insurance town i'm the mayor Heath Sharon and the host of this podcast guys i truly appreciate all the love and support you've given me thank you for the downloads thank you for listening thank you for sharing on facebook if you have not subscribed yet what are you waiting for Go ahead, hit that little subscribe button for me, wherever you're at listening to this. Just hit pause, go over there, hit the subscribe button, and come back and hit play. All righty. Hopefully, you did that by now. (laughs) Uh, My guest today, I'm super excited about. I see her around town. We see each other at the soccer fields. But uh, she's a, a powerhouse in this industry, and she's still young, and she talks about that, actually. She is uh, someone that finally, it sounds to me like she landed her dream job. She is the Personal Alliance Academic Director at the National Alliance. You may know the National Alliance from their cool programs like CIC and CISR. She shares her passion for education, for the insurance industry as a whole, but also Uh, her passion for her three children and her husband, her family. She's just awesome. Uh, I really think you're going to enjoy our conversation. Uh, Without further ado, please sit back, relax and check out my conversation with Dustin Bryant. Dustin Bryant, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, Heath. How are you?
0: Good. How's your day going?
1: It's it's a different day today. I sent my toddler off to pre-K, so I thought we were going to talk about kid. it, man. <laughs> I know, but you asked, so my mom. is right. It's a little heavy.
0: <laughs> there you go. Hopefully, you won't cry on the show. We'll get through all that. Um, try not. There you go. And you already sent one off to pre-K, and you got you know another daughter. So, are all of them two back. Two more daughters. Yeah, two more daughters. Right. So you sent no. one off. To sp- yeah. So you have two other daughters. Are they all going to school today, or are they next? The next one start next week.
1: No, the other two start next week. And okay, so that's they're, what I used to do. they're a little relieved today. You know, the toddler, <laughs> nobody's been in school since March. And the toddler's right? been kind of running the train wreck around here.
0: That's, <laughs> so now
1: that he is back in pre K, everybody is just kind of like, let's enjoy this. <laughs> that's right. It's
0: a chill day. Yeah.
1: <laughs> we don't have to pick up a thousand different medicines in one day.
0: Oh, uh, that's hilarious. So, since we're talking about your family, uh, and talk about you a little bit let's let's go back as far back as you want to and uh let's go through your history let's walk down memory lane a little bit.
1: Well, I was born, and then I was thirty five so that's where we're at. <laughs>
0: Oh man, this is gonna be a quick podcast. That's
1: (laughs) That's a quick bio. Uh, let's see. My husband and I, we've been married for um 14 years this year, and uh, we have three kids, and I've been in insurance for as many years as I've been married. Um, so I don't know, I you know, it's um, it's been an interesting journey. So, okay, so my three kids, I have a 10 year old. An eight-year-old, and then my three-year-old, <laughs> um, and two of my children are adopted. That's awesome, and and that has been a three-year journey, and every day is a different challenge. And um, you know, my husband and I have just grown a passion for foster and adoptive children, and if yeah, I don't know what to say about it. That so
0: is that something. I'll interrupt you for a second. Was yes. that something obviously you had a bio, you know, your own, you know, bio child ten years ago. And so yes. was that something that was just like a calling put on you or something you No,
1: okay. You know, when bio- I was a teenager, was I said I didn't want to have children when I was a teenager. And <laughs> yeah, was- you got three <laughs> <laughs> And I was very adamant, even up to uh, being married, that we weren't going to have kids. That's just not right? that I wanted to do. But, you know, you get married, you have relationships. Um, so, <laughs> my, you know, my biological child, interestingly enough, I went from not wanting to have kids to um, – Paying out of the nose to have kids. Uh, so my my biological child, she is an IVF child, and uh, we went through all kinds of struggles with fertility uh, to in in order to get her here. Thankfully, it worked out on the first try, so we didn't have yeah. to struggle too much. Um, and you know, foster and adopting was never on our radar either, but just happened circumstance. We went through some family struggles with a family member and uh, were introduced to um, the world of DHS in that manner and took care of our niece um, for almost six months and helped get her mom back on the right track to be able to parent her. And it was about a year after that and the heartache and the struggles and, and the triumphs that come with that, that you recuperate from that we realized that there was just a calling for us. And that's a lot of what, um, fostering and adoption is you just it's not something that you ever really just go I want to adopt when I grow up (laughs) you know it's something that you probably don't even think about at all until one day you just feel this tug on you and it doesn't go away and it just gets louder and louder and until you finally act on it um and and that's pretty much how that evolved. We finally acted on it. And, you know, Facebook listens to you and hears everything that you think without saying it. So then, you know, ads start popping up everywhere that talk about fostering and adopting. And then we were introduced to an organization here in Arkansas called The Call, and it just kind of evolved from there. So... Um, Yeah. And it went so quick once we did the training and and we were open for all of a month as far as being a foster home before we met our daughter now. And so, I mean, which is from what I understand, an abnormal process for it to go that quick. (laughs) (laughs) So as soon as we started it, we went from a family of three with a six-year-old at the time who had only ever been an only child and uh, you know, in her mind, had expected an adorable, cute little baby, and we were introduced to a—I think she was five at the time—introduced to a five-year-old, and just rocked our world. And within three months, we were a family of five. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was. It was wow, oh.
0: that's really cool. And so, uh, wow, that does—I could imagine that would rock your world from one to three. Uh, I put my wife through that when we got we're a blended family. So she went from one to three when she married me with my two. So I can only imagine what that's like for you.
1: Yeah. Um, but it- it's a journey. That's all I have yeah. to say about it. It's a journey. <laughs> and every day yeah. is a different journey added on top of the journey. And you know, one of the things that I like to tell new foster parents and adoptive parents, because it's hard, it's not easy work. Uh, you cry more than you laugh most time. And um, you go to bed wondering if, you're doing it right. And one of the things that has always gotten me through is you're on a journey and you never know how far you've come and just how how well you've done until you take a second to turn around and see how far you've come and just what you've been through, because then that will, that will give you the strength to turn back around and keep moving forward. Um, and you just, if you don't turn around for a second, just to see what you've done and how big of an impact you've made in a child's life or all the struggles that you've come through, you feel like you can't make it the next day sometimes. Wow.
0: Look at you throwing some inspiration out there early on the podcast. I like it. (laughs) So do you, that's amazing. Uh, You may have me crying before it's all said and done. Now, Uh, do you apply that that to your insurance career? You talk about that with fostering. As you look back, do you ever look back to where you started with a uh, captive Carrie we oh talked about gosh. back in the day and then going to the different large houses that you've been through, you know, and you'd look through that and like, man, I've done some stuff in my thirty-five years.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of my biggest things for anybody in their career, I'm actually going through it with my husband right now. He's older than me, but uh, he's a police officer and he's always ever been a police officer. And it's kind of like being in the military. When you retire from the military, you don't know what to do after that because you've always been told what you're going to do next in the military. Um, And so being a police officer has been a, a challenge and a struggle this year for many different reasons. And he's been doing it for 14 years and has always been patrol. Um and it just kind of hit him this year that he's not fulfilled yet and he's not done yet, but he doesn't know what to do. And so when I think about applying that to my career, it's to anybody that that is struggling to see forward sometimes. You need to turn around and look back and see how far you've come in order to be your own champion. Um, Because not everybody, you're not always going to find somebody that's going to carry you through. It it would be great for everybody to have a mentor. And Fortunately for me, I did have a mentor that pushed me and and helped me see what my potential was. Um, And it was always when it first started, I don't think I realized I was being mentored. And I just, you know, this particular mentor, he would come into my office and tell me what I could do. And I'm like, but I I don't know how to do that. And he'd just walk out. And so I'm sitting there like, well, if he says I can do it, (laughs) I guess I can. You know, and so that's kind of that's kind of how my, in my mind, that's how my vision for myself took off. But it's the same thing with any time you're struggling with your fear or not even struggling, but just looking for the next best step for you. Turn around and look and see what you've done so far so that you know what you don't need to go back to in order to push forward. Um, so yeah, I do apply it to my professional career. You know, I started with Applet, um, which was a really interesting step. I was actually a a, um, a general manager at a restaurant at a very well known hotel that was here in Little Rock. Yeah, and um, that you know so, you know okay, I I want to say leadership matters and everything that somebody does leadership matters because somebody has always if I think about all the big steps that I've taken in my professional life somebody's always taken a chance on me when I didn't know that a chance needed to be taken um and so I went from being a waitress and training to open stores um to being a manager at a restaurant (laughs) <laughs> I have no idea how to manage a restaurant, but somebody at the age of twenty <laughs> is when that started. At the age of twenty, not even not even legal. Uh, to drink the alcohol we were selling. Um, somebody took a chance on me and put me in that role. And um, from that, we were also a convention hotel. It was a convention center and we were hosting a Aflac. Community. And so part of my duties and being management as a restaurant was making sure that we were putting the the food events together, right? Um, which ended up leading to me having some conversations with Aflac, Aflac people. And of course, insurance people are salespeople. And Aflac people are always looking for more people. Um, And so they sold me on it. And I was tired of, you know, working from morning to night and coming home at three o'clock in the morning. And sometimes I would actually be staying in one of the hotel rooms because there was nobody else to cover the food and beverage department. And so I was tired of that and thought, you know what, I need to spend more time at home and and figure out a career path for myself. And that's where Aflac came. And so I did that, but then quickly realized that I was not a door to door salesperson. I was not a cold calling salesperson um, that I did love talking to people. And I loved the way people looked at me when I was talking about something that seemed so um, foreign. Well, the like insurance speak is as easy as it seems to us, it's so foreign to people that aren't used to it, and uh so I loved, I loved being kind of this quasi expert when I wasn't even an expert.
0: <laughs> so, do you feel like that's a that's a talent of yours, being able to make something so difficult easy to comprehend? Do you feel like that's something you can do that will make like a superpower for you, maybe?
1: Super, Ooh, maybe. I never thought about I mean, it that way. I'm gonna have to draw myself with a cake now. I'm just, I you- yeah. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> it might be one of my superpowers. What you know, yeah, that's one of the funnest things that I did as my career evolved and where I landed in an agency. The one of the funnest things that I did was talking to customers and making insurance speak easier for them, so that they right be, because I wanted them to ask me questions and I wanted them to understand their coverage, not just depend on me and give them the power to know what their insurance was and when they needed to call me. So yeah, that's... yeah maybe it is.
0: A- did you use? <laughs> Metaphors or examples? I mean, is there things that you did, you just had to just break it down per person. How did that work for you?
1: Well, you know, every customer is different. Um, and and some customers are more inquisitive than others. Some want to know more and some just want you to take care of business and they don't want to know anything about it. So yeah, it is different by customer. Um, and do you use examples? You absolutely do, especially when you have a customer that's kind of pushing back a little too hard and they want to write their own coverage, basically. Um, so you do kind of have to put it into perspective, just what insurance is for. It's, you know, it's not a maintenance plan. It's a catastrophe plan and what kinds of catastrophes could come around. And yeah, you're going to pay premiums for a number of years and not need to use it. And your rates are going to, you know, maybe increase and maybe sometimes decrease, but that's that's not very often. <laughs> um, and and to, to help them understand that. So yeah, you use it, you use a lot of examples, but they need to be relatable examples and ones that you've had experience with before, or it's going to go way over both their head and your head.
0: When you do have an increase or something like that on a renewal with somebody that you're working with. Is that something you feel like it's easy for you to explain as well on why they got that certain increase? Uh,
1: You know, again, like I said, every client is different. You have to be really um, careful. And I learned this the hard way. You have to be really careful about how you talk about premium increases, because what may not seem like a huge increase to you, to the customer could be, you know, a lot. They could be on a really tight budget. They could have some circumstances going on that you're not going to know anything about. And so even you know what you might consider a $100 increase over a year, which is you know just amounts to a little under ten dollars a month, might not seem like a big deal to you. It might be a huge deal to them. Um, so when you talk about the premium increases, I think I always like to start with um, you know tell me what's going on. just kind of connect with them a little bit because then it's yeah. going to give you an idea of just how sensitive they are to that price increase. And that's going to help you decide whether or not you can propose a different coverage. If you can propose a higher deductible, if you can, you know, some insurance carriers, if you're not doing this, you can go back to them and ask for a rescore, um, which could automatically lower their rates that way. Um, So it's just going to help you decide your course of action before deciding to go out there and do a complete remarket, because that can be a huge chunk of your day as an agent (laughs) to remarket. And if you're remarketing everybody, then you don't have time for anything else. Um, Knowing... Knowing your client is and and just how to talk to them about those rate increases is what's going to um, give you the most productivity out of those rate increases. And
0: in talking about productivity and efficiency, and that's something I hear about a lot in agencies that I work with is you know the amount of time it does take to reshop and the amount of time wasted or lost in doing that. And you spending however many years between the two shops you were at as a manager or a CSR, what you know, what advice would you give? What would you think about that? I know like you managed people in that during, in that arena. What would you say on that?
1: So when you talk about productivity and you talked about you said time wasted as far as remarkets go. Um, you know, another thing that I speak holy about is being positive. Um, No matter what you do, always being positive. Time spent in remarkets is not time wasted. Even if you know from your client, that that rate increase is not that big. And you know, your markets, because if you're an effective account manager, you've talked with your sales members, and you know what the rates are doing. And you know what the products are and how they're performing in your area. Um, But you know, sometimes your client needs to see that you're doing the best for them, just telling them that they're with the best carrier for them at the time is, is gonna, it's most likely going to end you with an AOR or the client leaving because they didn't feel it. They didn't see it. So a, a remarket is never time wasted.
0: But it's not the most efficient use of time. That, right. Of course. Year.
1: That is not the most efficient time um, use of time. And that's where um <laughs> you're just leading me down one thing that I champion after another. Selling coverage over price is a huge thing. Being an insurance advisor and not an insurance salesperson. Um, there's a major difference. When you're an insurance salesperson, of course, you're going to be remarketing anybody and everybody, and you're not going to be making efficient use of your time. Not only are you cutting your commissions by shopping it every time because you're going down to a lower price structure, um, but you're not spending your time looking for ways to um, you know, round out an account to make it bigger and better. You're not spending your time looking for um, products that actually meet the client's needs. And that's what an insurance advisor does. They look for coverage that meets the client's needs because two clients that even have the same house, same cars, same number of kids, they might have different circumstances and need different endorsements on their policy. And so you need to spend that time talking with them um, and not just shopping their coverage every year. Right. Yeah. So yeah, you're right. It's not the most efficient use of your time to remarket every, it's the most efficient use of your time to be an advisor and know what you're doing.
0: Right. And that goes back to your education piece you talked about a minute ago. And, uh, the part about your superpower that we've decided is, you know, explaining that kind of stuff to people. My
1: newfound superpower. (laughs) That's right.
0: (laughs) You know, I always wanted to be able to fly or be strong, but hey, to be able to explain insurance coverage to people that don't understand it, that's a pretty good superpower. It is.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I always, when I started, I have this brain that is constantly looking for more information, always looking for more information. Even when I've found the information I'm looking for, there's always got to be more. There's there's more after that. And so that's kind of where my career path was always leading me. Um, I was in insurance. And when I started using that superpower that you have found for me today, um, to talk to clients, and not only clients, but even you know sometimes insurance agents that you might come across or producers that you work with, um, just having the language to educate somebody and talk with them in a way that they understand, it made me feel like there's more to that. For me. I want to be on the education side. I want to be you know I have I have CIC and CISR, which are designations from the National Alliance, and of course now I am an associate at the National Alliance as the personal alliance um, academic director. And so this was that was a fun evolution to my career that I always saw myself being one of those faculty members teaching at one of the institutes. Um, And I just always kind of admired them and the way it was so easy for them and so fun for them. That that's where I wanted to be, but I never saw myself being there today, which was how coming to the National Alliance, it was so interesting in the evolution of how that conversation started and took place. And I talked about my mentor earlier was my, my prior leadership, Tim White at Brown and Brown of Central Arkansas.
0: Also um, a very close a buddy of mine, someone who's a mentor to me too. So I love that you used that. I was hoping that you were talking about I love
1: that I love Tim. And one of the things I always told Tim when I was at Brown and Brown is, I will follow you around like a puppy dog wherever you go. Uh, Because he's just so empowering. And he always sees what somebody is capable of, even when you don't realize what you're capable of. And when I began this journey towards the National Alliance, I did it with Tim's full support. And awesome. I didn't, yeah, oh, it was, it, so was, and it gives me chills just even thinking about how that happens because this next step in my career, I don't think I would be enjoying it as much if I wasn't supported by somebody like Tim. Um, and not just Tim, but everybody else that I worked with at Brown and Brown um, had my back the whole way. And as soon as you know, this opportunity came up for me. And I started talking to them about it. Everybody just went, this was made for you. You were made for this. I mean, this is what you do already. You, and I always, when I sat down by myself at night and thought about it, and I thought, okay, I always saw myself going in this direction, but I never saw myself doing it now. I thought it was closer to retirement and when I'm older and have more gray hair. And <laughs> I'm so, seen as like a, a, a mentor myself or something. So it was, yeah. So is this
0: something, okay, so you saw, you envisioned this, but just not as quickly as you did it, which is... Also a testament to who you are and what you've done in your career, which is amazing. But I don't think you nowadays especially need the gray hairs. And, you no, know, I to have be, them. <laughs> no, no, you, you color them really well. I can't see them. But no, I, I really feel like uh, in the amount of time you've been in this space and you talk about the education. I see behind you. I can't see this, but there's plaques all behind her you know, from degrees she's got or certificates <laughs> she's got. We going there? So obviously, <laughs> no. I'm just saying you, you obviously education's a, uh, a passion of yours and yeah. obviously you care about learning. And you've also, you know, talked to us already today about, you know, the passion you have for educating people on insurance. And that was more talking about the insurance and you've started to transition to talking about agents and agency owners and managers. So having that vision for your career is so important to you, but you just didn't see it this soon.
1: I did So how did you adjust that? Uh, adjust what, my vision or doing it this soon?
0: Yeah, both.
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, so, gosh, we're going to talk about another one of my soapboxes real quick. Being a champion for yourself. Education is a huge piece of that. You know, the more you know, rainbow and everything. <laughs> the more you know, the better you can do. Yeah, um, that's why I'm always looking for more information where I can find it. And you're right. I did speak a lot about, um, educating clients. It's just, it's fun, especially when you open up a new pathway for somebody, when they understand something, it's so fun to see those light bulbs come on. Um, but what's even more fun is talking about, uh, talking about insurance with other insurance people who know what you're talking about um, because then you can check yourself. You can check your knowledge. You can humble yourself and you can learn something from somebody else. You might think you know it all and you might think you've got it all together, but then you misstep or you say something wrong or you misinterpreted a coverage wrong and somebody's going to speak up and go, oh, that's not really how that works. And that's when you check yourself and go, Okay, I think I need to learn more now. Um, so yeah, I, yeah, I do have a lot of these things back here, especially brokerages or larger firms. They're a little shy of um, the social media space. There's a lot of stuff that comes along with that. And so when I joined the National Alliance, and they were making steps towards, um, you know, being more visible online, because it just kind of unfolded naturally with COVID.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know, we kinda had to transition to that a lot quicker than I think um, the vision was for. but just the fun this is the fun stuff where you get to have the fun conversation make insurance as fun as we see it is for everybody else you know policy right. language is super fun new endorsements are super fun i mean that's me talking not everybody feels that way um <laughs> but, but what's even more fun is making it relatable insurance is so relatable because everybody has it so um so yeah Learning more about the podcast stuff has been interesting too. So yeah, these plaques behind me. I started out with an associate's in law enforcement, uh, and these are all from the University of Arkansas at Little Rock. And then I got my bachelor's in criminal justice. Um, I took some time off. You know, my my ten year old that we've talked about. She has earned an honorary degree of sorts because I toted her to class night class. I worked full time as an agent, um, right? Or as a customer service representative, whatever you want to call it. I worked full time doing that and learning on that and got my CIC and CISR at the same time that I was going to college and toting my talk- wow. Um. And so she, <laughs> she deserves a degree in and of herself. And, and again, having a mentor and somebody behind you to support you, if you know, I had professors that would pick her up and carry her around class or hand her Oh, that's awesome! To hand out to you know all of the students, so it's every step of my career and my personal life. There has been some sort of support behind me. I've not done it on my own. Um, right. Asking for that's help amazing. and knowing where to find it is absolutely essential um, to excellence. To be honest with you, so next I got my master's, and uh, my daughter she attended master's classes with me too. <laughs> so I have my master's in business, and then at the same time was getting a um, a graduate degree in conflict mediation uh, and i the whole reason for the let me the the conflict mediation thing is yeah there's conflict everywhere you go and there's conflict in insurance when you talk to somebody about their premiums there's conflict in claims for gosh sake um there's conflict in underwriting when you're trying to get an underwriter to accept something or a sales marketing representative um <laughs> you know there's, there's times where you need those skills those communication skills which is another <coughs> you know soapbox for me is communication affects everything um but I got that because I was actually interested in becoming a lawyer and really? I wanted if I if yes and I if I was going to be in insurance I wanted to be on the litigation side right? wow Literally. you know your your vision just okay when I was a kid I wanted to be an astronaut right i wanted to be a firefighter for the stars right right um and so i gave that up pretty quickly it was hard to become an astronaut (laughs) (laughs) the whole rocket science thing right but but i'm still shooting for the stars so i did want to be a lawyer in in litigation for insurance um but then i took a couple of classes at the the law school that's associated with the university of arkansas and quickly decided I didn't like the personalities of the people that attended law well school. Um, so that's not what I wanted to view. It had nothing to do with the, <laughs> the curriculum. It had everything to do with the culture
0: <laughs> and right. I didn't want
1: to do that. So, um, so that's what that's about, but it's, yeah, you know, the conflict mediation certificate has really affected every aspect of my life, not just professionally.
0: Well, like, I was going to um, ask you, does that suck for your husband when y'all getting arguments at home? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, still- <laughs> oh my wife would tear me up. Oh, <laughs> I'm human, God.
1: so I fail at mediating properly a lot of the time. <laughs> However, it comes into uh, it comes into play when my husband and my children are fighting with each other.
0: <laughs> then you can there you go there. And I, go. I have
1: to sit down and go okay what are you trying? To, what are you trying to say? And, you know, yeah. you have to mediate that situation. I myself am very terrible at mediating for myself. So, um, but the other degrees in, in criminal justice, you were interested in those.
0: No, uh, I definitely am. And I think it's interesting. Go ahead. I'll let you finish that thought. And then I have another question. Go ahead.
1: Those, I, my personality type is Um, I don't like to be told that I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, I don't like to feel like I'm lacking in knowledge. So my husband is a police officer and those degrees started when of course everybody loves to be a keyboard warrior. They love to tell other people how to do their jobs without knowing how to do their jobs. And apparently I was doing that and I was telling my husband what he should do different and better and you know, whatever, and he was always saying, "You don't know what you're talking about. This is my career." And I just went, oh, "Well, fine. I'm gonna go get a degree in it then."
0: <laughs> you are kidding me!
1: No. Wow, that
0: is no. that is funny. I did wow. not want to
1: be a police officer. I did not want to be a criminal justice. But you want you just... would do all that to
0: prove your husband wrong. That's
1: <laughs> I and, thought my uh, wife was,
0: was crazy about that. Wow. Good
1: for you, Justin. Uh, it was
0: for you. out of
1: it was out of spite.
0: <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that's he hilarious. will say
1: he will still say that I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and this is true. Well, there you you go. and I both know that there is practical application and then there's knowledge.
0: Yep. And, no, you're exactly so, right and that's just funny. Uh talk to me about uh what you're doing there, uh what that means to you and uh, apparently you've got four or five soap boxes we've already jumped on. If there's any other ones oh hidden gosh. in there, let's climb on them and talk.
1: You know what? Insurance is my passion. I never knew it would yeah. be. It's it's very interesting when somebody says something as boring as insurance. As at least everybody else boring is my passion. And the education of insurance is a huge passion for mine. Um, And so when this opportunity with the National Alliance came up, you know, I told you that I did it with Tim behind me 100%. It was a highly emotional decision. I don't think there was not one dry eye in the office um, on any given day when we were talking about this. And um, it's just it it seeps out of every pore of me um, to have the passion to educate others. So at the National Alliance, um, I am the Personal Lines Academic Director, and what that wholly means is reading Personal Lines Policy Language all day long and making sure that it's accurately represented uh, represented in everything that we put out. Um, so that's, you know, that's the CIC programs, that's the CISR programs, um, that's any kind of little article that maybe somebody wants to write um, that might be connected to insurance, just making sure that the language Um, is right and the the legal ease if you want is still there because we all know that as far as insurance and policy language goes (laughs) those policies are written the way they are for a reason and even lawyers are litigating them in in court every day Um, so that that's that's the foundation of what i do and there's so many different um programs that the national alliance is putting out there right now Um, And there's more, there's more than just me. And it's a whole team that has been so interesting to get to know. There's an academic director for every topic, pretty much. Um, But as far as what the National Alliance is trying to do is they're just trying to educate more and, and make it interesting and make it fun. And so we're doing um, programs at the high school level, which some will kind of laugh at and balk at, ah, high schoolers aren't interested in insurance, but why can't they be? Because you and I know that this career path, the insurance industry is so many different facets to it and so many different ways you can go. And you don't just have to be on the insurance side of it. You can be in technology and be in insurance because we've got all kinds of platforms and mobile platforms and all kinds of, um, learning management systems and and point of sale systems and everything else. There's the the marketing of insurance. You're in the marketing piece of it, you know, and there's some people are excited about marketing and that's how you can spend those marketing degrees and everything. So insurance has so many different sides that it can be so fun. So why not get high schoolers interested in it? It's probably one of the industries that you can achieve so much um, with as little or as much education as you want you come out of high school and you get the right mentorship um, get into the right designation programs to learn more about the insurance industry and you can go so far and high schoolers need to know that you don't of course we want high schoolers to achieve higher education there's college um and we even have programs in college which is super fun too um but not everybody's meant for college for some people high school is a struggle um and just having to go to college is another hurdle for them to overcome. And so, why not give them a way to jump over that hurdle by, by getting them interested in insurance at the high school level? So, it's just it's the National Alliance, I've always looked up to. Um, you know, Dr. Bratton, everybody in Arkansas knows who Dr. Bratton is. And I've received my entire National Alliance designation um, under his watch and just kind of looked up to him and everything that he was. So, when I saw, my career, I saw myself being a Dr. Brett.
0: <laughs> I wanted to. Yeah.
1: And that's kind of how my vision started. And of course, he's highly involved in the National Alliance. So when this opportunity with the National Alliance came up, it was honestly like, oh my gosh, when I went to the National Alliance, it was like being in the Taj Mahal of insurance for me. I was, I came back from that day so overwhelmed and it took me a week at least to process everything
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and that's just how excited I was about it so
0: so do you ever see yourself teaching as well
1: oh absolutely um you know and in the position that I have I'm currently teaching you know uh, okay I I, you know you said I'm said not the reading
0: out. policy and you were making sure you double check the language and make sure it was right I didn't know you were teaching too. Well, I that's
1: teaching. too. It- That's teaching. No, I I think you you mean right. I think you mean in the aspect of class teaching. And yes, I do have an aspiration to be out there because I can't be the best academic director if I'm not wholly involved in that. uh, Does that go back to your vision? Right, it does go back to my vision. You know, the best way to educate is to know every aspect of it um, from the participant level and knowing what it's like to sit on that side of the table and knowing what it's like to do those tests. You know, right now I'm I'm currently in the middle of obtaining my CPRM designation as well. I've never done it online though. And it's been a whole different learning experience to do it that way. Um, But also to know what it's like from the faculty member side and, you know, what's most relevant to your participant and know how to teach it and know how to connect because that's the most important factor of education is connecting with, with the learner. Um, So yeah, I do have an aspiration to teach and it'll, it'll get there. (laughs) Right. Eventually. Um, but I am teaching now and, you know, I, I taught before I did this, I taught my clients and I taught producers that I worked with and, um, you know, you even teach leadership and they teach you. It's just you teach. Uh, you may not realize that you teach, but you teach too. You teach your products, and you teach best practices, and you teach efficiencies. And um, There's more to teaching than just standing in front of a classroom. No, I,
0: I completely agree with you. I was more talking classroom teaching, so I appreciate you correcting me on that. There's a conflict. No, oh, not
1: correcting. No. You I'm your teasing. you power. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So, no, I think that's cool. And so, again, I I, I see this theme of your, your vision and where you wanted to go and maybe you got there quicker than you thought, but, uh, you know, there's still oh, I'm not chance. done yet. Right. Right.
1: If I no. was done now, then I wouldn't be a, a good servant to my profession. Well, I'm not you told yet. me,
0: you told me one day, I don't know if this is a, a Dustinism or if this is a quote that you stole from somebody, but I was in your office one day, um, uh, probably I don't know, several years ago. And you said, if I'm living, I'm learning. And That's is true. that something you stole or is that a Dustinism? Because I love, you
1: it. know, I don't ever come up with anything original, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure I stole it from someone. So there's,
0: there's still a chance for you to be uh, Dr. <laughs> Bryant.
1: Um, oh, that, my gosh.
0: So maybe your husband just needs to tell you, you can't be a doctor, and then you'll go out and get your doctorate, and you can just become a doctor in insurance. But You
1: know, my um, husband always told me that if I went back to school to get my doctorate, he'd divorce me. So when I'm ready for a divorce, I'll be getting my doctorate.
0: So guys, if you ever see Dustin Bryant going to get a doctorate, you'll know there's uh, trouble in paradise. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, um, you know, I, I don't even know where to go. Into that. I mean, it's like, that's funny. That's really, really funny. Okay. So, um, Is there anything that you can talk to us about at the National Alliance that is maybe new or something exciting or anything that they're doing right now that you can discuss on air with us and kind of give us a little excitement about going on over there?
1: Yeah, you know what? We're doing so much. Uh, Everybody is right now. COVID-19 has kind of just thrust everybody into the online atmosphere, whether or not they wanted to be there. Um, They've gone kicking and screaming. Now, the National Alliance has been online and was making that transition to be more online for learners, but COVID-19 just sped that process up. Um, So there's a lot of stuff that's going on with the National Alliance right now. Um, We do have a COVID-19 webpage um, that's meant to just pass around as much information as we can drum up um, to help both clients and um, agents. So go take a look at that. Uh, We also have a podcast that is that we're doing more it started with more of the COVID-19 stuff um this year is you know we we felt that that was a great platform for getting that information out there and it's just kind of it's really taking off and it's a it's a great tool for information and connecting with other agents, not just in your area, but around the country and just seeing what's going on and what's relevant. Um, so right now for our participants as well, we've got a lot of fun stuff going on. You know, a lot at the beginning of the year, everybody was waiting for classrooms to restart um, and every month that passes by classrooms are maybe sometimes getting back into play. Um, some states are are opening up to that. But then more and more classrooms are transitioning online. Um, So now's the perfect time to get your designation either started or updated. And what we've got going on right now um, is an online mega that uses to just be for um, the CIC level, and you had your subscription and you can go and take advanced classes through the online mega, but now that is open to CISR level as well. Um, and you can go online and choose the classes that you want to take to get your update. We've also got some exciting new subscription plans that are beneficial to the participant as well as agencies. Uh, so with the subscription plans, you can there's two levels. You can do um, kind of the CISR or the C. SRM level, um, and that's two hundred and four dollars a year, and that's like just barely over the cost of one class. But then you have access to all those classes, and to be wow. able to get the, right to be able to get that designation—that's
0: uh, incredible. Way that to go, National! In yeah. And
1: they've got the second tier, which you can do your CIC, CRM, CPRM, um, as well as have access to um, the ruble content, and that's six sixty a year. Which is again, just over the cost. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like wow, fairly over the cost of one class, and then you get access to all of that content. Um, to get all of things as fast as you want to, or as slow as you um, at your own pace. And there are corporate subscriptions available for that as well, so that you can train up your entire agency staff and become bona fide legitimate. <laughs> legitimate.
0: That's another well,
1: term, <laughs> okay,
0: that's right. Let me okay. Let me ask Dustin Bryant a question, not from the perspective of the National Alliance, but from Dustin Bryant's perspective. Uh, I'll give you the disclaimer right there. Um, what is your thoughts of live classroom versus internet or uh, virtual classroom? Uh, what is your thoughts?
1: They, they each have their benefit. Um,
0: okay. I'm interested to hear. Your thoughts they each on that. have
1: their benefits. Online, obviously, you can do it when your time is crunched and, you know, the travel to and from a classroom is an added burden to that. Um, you know, in between breaks, when you're doing it online, you're already sitting at your computer, um, so when you've got that 10 minute break, you can check your email real quick or respond to a client. Um, you've got your, uh, your, your electronic version of the notebook, which is super fun. You download that and keep a copy of that. And then later, once that's you know, done, you can use those text find features to find information that you need relevant to whatever situation is going on. Um, online is just really convenient and it's, uh, we're, you know, we're doing more webinars as well. Um, there were a lot of courses that were self-paced, which also have, their benefits as well for somebody that might want to just take their time and absorb more of the information at a slower pace. Um, And then we've got our webinars. So you still have your live instructor that is giving you relevant um, examples and conversation and asking you questions and engaging you in that process. Um, But then there's the classroom and everybody loves the classroom because you get the networking side. Um, Networking with other insurance agents is a huge component to the insurance industry.
0: Oh my gosh, Um, that was huge for me going through my CIC was getting right. to sit down with other people smarter than me.
1: Absolutely. That is just, um, you know, the networking side of it is an added bonus to the education.
0: 100%. Um,
1: it's a it the, the added benefit of that is a cost you can't replace. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to start the CPRM, which is the certified personal risk manager is more for high net worth um, and personal lines. And one of the reasons why I wanted to take that designation the minute the National Alliance came out with it, which was a little over two years ago, is because I wanted to meet the other people that were either doing high net worth or interested in doing high net worth because I wanted to do more of that in the agency. I wanted yeah. to add more of that to our book. And it was something that I didn't know a lot about, um, but I knew was out there. We had a couple of high net worth um, like super high net worth, um, clients in our agency and they were scary to me. So I wanted to be more comfortable with those so that I could do more of those. But in order to do that, I I wanted to do the CPRM so that I could engross myself in that environment, um, to, to learn from the teachers that were familiar with that environment. And then to hear the other questions that the participants were asking and what they were doing and, um, gain ideas from them i'm missing missing that a little bit doing it online um because we don't get to interact with the other participants as well we're looking at ways of bringing that component back to the online space but um right now you're just learning from the instructor which is great you're just missing that, that little added bonus of being able to right. work with the right people.
0: Right. That's a good answer. Um, so I love that when something jumps in your way of a challenge for you, you're going to learn your way through it and yeah. find a way to overcome that obstacle. And as we're starting to wrap up, I really think that goes back. Kind of a theme we've heard throughout the whole thing is don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. And, Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it this yeah. morning,
1: Heath, before um getting on this podcast with you. There is one negative thing. I try to stay positive always, but there is one yeah. negative thing that probably pushed me the most in my career, and it was in one of the agencies that I was in. I was a new mom. I was going to school toting my kid back and forth to school with me, putting everything I had into everything I did. Um, And I was called into somebody's office and my kid had been sick. I had plenty of PTO, plenty of sick time available, no issues there. And I was told that I needed to find a support system to take care of my child. And that right there was a deciding factor for me that this was not only not the right employer, but somebody that was not interested in um, propelling me in, and um, helping me see that I could be more than a CSR. Which there's a lot of that. Not many people, and that's not just an insurance. Not many people will help you see beyond what you currently are. And I'm um, and I'm
0: hoping that people are listening to this are being inspired by it as well because there's people listening to this. They're in one of those two positions. I guarantee it. They're either in the position where they're being held back, and you would tell them, you know, push forward you know, get through that. And then there's people that are lucky enough to have that mentor and be at the place where you were at uh, a large shop with a wonderful boss who's mentored me and didn't even know it. Uh, I think I've told him several times, but he's such a humble guy. Um, But I think that's fascinating. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, Before we do wrap up, I do want to give you a couple of minutes and I'm already excited about where this is going to go just because of where we've been so far. Take the floor and talk about whatever you want to. Something we've already talked about or you could share about any, anything personally you want to talk about. I'm going to hit mute, which is always fun for my audience when I hit mute, but I'll hit mute and just let you go and talk about the, take the floor and talk about whatever you want to talk about.
1: Sure. Okay. Somebody needs to hit mute on me every once in a while. I talk way too much. <laughs> um, before I get started on that, you know, as far as the National Alliance goes, find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, find us on LinkedIn. We are constantly posting updates, adding more content, um, not just COVID-19 stuff, anything that's relevant to insurance um, and insurance agents, anything that makes insurance fun. Um, so do that. Like us, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Um, find your designation if you haven't started one or get your update before the end of the year. Um, So do that. But as far as personally for me, um, you know, I have a huge passion um, outside of work and that is for foster and adoptive kids. Um, I'm going to get worked up. (laughs) You know, two of my kids are from foster care and uh, we did adopt them. And That started with a personal struggle, you know, as far as staying positive about anything that you do, even when you struggle. We started by saying this podcast by saying, you never know how far you've come until you turn around and you look back and see just what you've done and what you've overcome. Um, And that's so true with our journey as foster and adoptive parents. It started out as a personal struggle. It was so hard. Honestly, probably one of the worst times in my life um, to have to step in with family and just all of the emotions that come with all of that. But then you have to look back and see just what you did and how you helped. We helped our niece and we helped her mom. And, you know, she was able to become a better parent um, in that way and just how do we make that positive? Well, there was something we were missing and it was that call and we heard it and we ignored it. And then we finally answered it. And uh, we did become foster and adoptive parent. And it was such a whirlwind. Um, Oh gosh. Like I said, at the beginning, it, you know, um, within a month after becoming an open home, um, we were able to foster two precious little boys. Um, It's just, it's heartbreaking how they don't even know you and they come into your home and say, I love you. Um, And that's, that's heartwarming, but heartbreaking at the same time that they, they need so badly to be loved, that they'll say it to anybody they meet. Um, And then we met our daughter, and she was five at the time. And, um, you know, there was just something when we saw her that we knew she was a piece of us. And so um, we were matched with her um, as a family, because you don't, you don't pick kids. Um, we find the right homes for kids. That's very essential um, in transitioning from foster care to adoption. Is making sure that the kid is matched to the right family. Um, and shortly thereafter, we found about uh, found out about the birth of her brother. And um, you know, we um, oh, that was uh, that was you talking. <laughs> You talk about having one kid and you're prepared to accept another one into your home and then you go, but wait, there's more. (laughs) Uh, It is so emotional. And, um, you know, the biggest, uh, let me wrap it up a little bit. The biggest part of this journey is permanence for these children, whether it's going back to their biological families because they're getting better and doing better. Um, and they're able to care for their kids, which is a huge piece of foster care is about reunifying the children with their family when it's safe. Um, and the foster parent, it's, it's essential to connect to that biological family and help set them up and lift them up and not fight any of the case plans. Um, but just support everybody, which is the same in insurance. If you just support everybody, you can go so far. Um, and then in, in adoption, um, Adoption is not happy. There's always loss that's associated with adoption. Of course, it's great when a child doesn't have to go through life alone. But with every milestone that we have, like like pre-K today, is something that we get to celebrate. But in so many ways, the person that gave birth to him should be able to celebrate it as well. And so it's it's a joy at the same time. It's a loss. And I'm so so thankful that we were able to go down this journey. And while we're not foster parents anymore, we do have our children. They are our children. They are somebody else's children as well. Um, But one of the ways that we transition for us is anybody else that we meet. Um, you know, you don't have to be a foster parent. You don't have to be an adopted parent. You can be a mentor. So many children grow up in foster care and age out of foster care without support systems. Um, they don't have somebody to teach them how to shave. They don't have somebody to teach them how to um apply to college or get a career or um, you know, find housing. You can be a mentor without making huge commitments. Um, Except to just ensuring that that child does well and becomes a successful adult, um, so those are you know the, that that's my passion um, personally um, is just always uplifting and and never never telling somebody that they can't, um, unless it's a toddler climbing the refrigerator he can't do that <laughs> um, but always helping them find what they can do, and that's from children to your husband, um, like I said. You know, we're currently going through a transition with him. He's going back to college. Um, and it's been an interesting evolution for him to find his confidence in that. And he starts this week <laughs> to go back to college. And um, so uplifting him and doing that and uplifting other professionals and just seeing what their superpower is and in, in helping them use their superpower to the best of their ability.
0: Well, we, we got a first here. You got me crying on the show as well. <laughs> I'm wow. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, you know, I guess I needed a good cry this morning. Um, you know, it's crazy. Uh, thank you. Um, uh, I got to collect myself now. Uh, but anyway, uh, thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing that, for being so transparent, honest with us about your passions, whether it's insurance, adopting, fostering, you know, championing, you know, not only insurance agents, but managers, women, the whole night. I, I appreciate all of it. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you and for having me Heath and allowing me, um, to speak just about anything and everything <laughs> That's that's been fun.
0: And yeah, um, it, it, it's been fun for me as well. And I appreciate it. It's always fun to, um, to get you, or to get anybody, but you spe- specifically, I got it tongue-tied, to talk about yourself, your story, what you're passionate about, because I've always been fascinated by your story and who you are. And I've always wanted to have this conversation, just never had the venue or the avenue because you're busy, I'm busy, stuff gets in the way. So, and it's not really fun to talk about the soccer field, so not really a whole lot of time for that. So, anyway, thank you again so much, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon.
1: Thank you, Heath. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you guys so much for checking out my conversation today with Miss Dustin Bryant. I really hope that the content that we brought today made you a better insurance professional. You know, that's my goal with each and every one of these podcasts, and I really hope that this one did that very thing. I, I really hope that you could tell the passion in her voice and the just incredible emotion and the transparency that she brought to the podcast. I thought it was pure gold, and I really hope that you do too. I would love to hear your thoughts about this podcast and any of the podcasts that you've listened to thus far. Any ideas for future podcasts? My email address is heath at com. My cell phone number is 501-425-3306. Feel free to shoot me a text as well, or you can find me on any of the social media platforms. Also, i got to tell you, like I do every week, this podcast was produced and edited by Ready, Set, Podcast. They do such a good job. Whether you have an idea for wrestling or knitting, crocheting, you could have a podcast for collecting stamps. Whatever the idea may be, you need to call my man Ryan over there. It's GetReadySetPodcast.com. Or you can look him up on Facebook Instagram. He does such a good job. Ready, set, podcast. Turning your brilliant idea into a reality. Thanks again, guys, and I look forward to visiting with you next week.